This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, April the 25th. And more than five weeks after it suddenly sacked almost 800 staff, P&O ferries are due to resume sailings from Dover. The company have made tickets available on the Spirit of Britain ship with the first departure from Kent at 4.25 on Wednesday morning. The vessel had previously been detained after failing safety checks. Well, there's been controversy over the company's decision to replace place their workers with lower paid agency staff and our business editor Chris Britcher joins me now. Chris just remind us of what's happened over the past month or so. Hi Nick well it was on March the 17th that P&O stunned us all didn't they by sacking as you say nearly 800 members of staff with no notice and you may recall it was done via this pre-recorded video message. The company has made the decision that its vessels going forward will be primarily crewed by a third party crew provider. Therefore, I am sorry to inform you that this means your employment is terminated with immediate effect on the grounds of redundancy. Your final day of employment is today. The company's chief executive, a man called Peter Hebblethwaite, has since insisted the company had no other option if it was going to survive in the competitive marketplace. But their decision to bring in cheaper agency staff has led to widespread criticism. There have been several calls for Mr Hebblethwaite to resign, including from the Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. I thought what the boss of P&O said yesterday about knowingly breaking the law was brazen and breathtaking, showed incredible arrogance, and I cannot believe uh, that he can stay uh, in that role. This hasn't happened yet, and as you say, ferries are due to resume in the coming days. But why has it taken so long? Well, following their shock announcement, the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency launched inspections of P&O vessels docked in Kent. A number of issues were discovered and the spirit of Britain was only clear to sail again on Friday. In addition, of course, they had to get the new staff manning the vessels all trained up. The suspension of sailings has also led, as I'm sure you know, to major problems on the M20 and roads across East Kent. The dreaded Operation Brock remains in place to queue lorries waiting to cross the channel. We've already been told the contraflow system would remain in place until this bank holiday weekend. And with the resumption of sailing, there's a chance it could well be removed next week. Fingers crossed. Thanks ever so much, Chris. We've also been getting reaction from the RMT union, who've previously called for the government to take over the running of the ships. I've been speaking to Darren Proctor. Well, I think they had to resume sailing at some point. Um, The fact that it's taken them four weeks in order to ready the crew to familiarise them with the, uh, the, you know, the, the machinery on board, with the, the, the vessel itself, with the uh, equipment that would be used in case of emergency, uh, and the fact that it's being given a certificate by the port state control or being cleared to sail is of no surprise, because when a vessel's not operating, and that's all that the crew were doing for three, four times a day, then they were going to pass at some point. The problem, however, will come in the next two, three, four weeks when they look to do a crew change and bring on a whole change crew, uh, you know, and, and they've got no knowledge, no experience, no understanding of the vessel, of the route or of the intensity of that particular schedule. A lot of people I've been seeing on social media recently have been talking a lot about safety. You know, how safe is it going to be to sail on, on these vessels? I mean, what, would, what do you make to that? What, what do you think? It's not going to be safe. And this is the point that we've made. 
and allowing the vessel to sail with unsafe roster patterns with individuals on there for 17 weeks, fatigue-inducing rosters, it's going to be problematic. Um, and the fact that there hasn't been intervention already on the grounds of safety is very alarming to us. And we believe, and we've said previously, that there will be a fatality as a consequence of fatigue on board that vessel. And, you know, people will be looking back at an investigation of some description, okay, and looking at these interviews that we've done and saying that the RMT and the trade unions flagged this up and we'd rather have a proactive approach rather than a reactive approach because we know that fatigue on board, you know, a vessel when the crew are working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, for 17 weeks, that they're not going to be, um, you know, at, you know, at the game, so to speak. How do you think former members of staff are, are feeling at the moment? I mean, there there must still be a huge amount of anger amongst those former workers as they as they see their ships that they worked on and that they loved working on resuming service. Yeah, very very angry. I've had a couple of members in here today uh, concerned about the mental well being because of the impact on this and the impact that it's had on the families and the various stages that they've that they've gone through. They are concerned, obviously, for the travelling public, okay, and for the freight and anyone that's using them vessels, because they've you know, worked on them on them route for many, many years. They know what it's like to do seven hours, uh, seven, seven days or 12 hours a day, and they can't really comprehend the fact that there's going to be individuals on there working 17 hours a week. So there's an element that they're concerned about what, how this is going to end, uh, end for P&O and for the, the seafarers on board the vessels. Um, and I think, you know, it's an absolute travesty that we're even talking about this when the politicians have said so much about how they're going to hold P&O to account. But as of yet, we've not seen any evidence of that. And we've also been asking on socials today if you would still book to travel with the company. Many said that what they did last month was a PR disaster, but would it affect your decision to use them to cross the channel? You can head to our Facebook to have a say. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a convicted sex offender from Chatham who kissed two children has avoided being sent straight to prison. Janil Varena identifies as a five-year-old girl and appeared in court before Christmas as an elf. A court was told the 60-year-old from High Street had targeted the children after playing piano at a gathering in 2019. It breached an order which required him to stay away from youngsters after he was jailed for 15 months in 2016 for kissing a girl outside a cafe in Thanet while living in Margate. He's been given a suspended sentence and ordered to do 20 hours of rehabilitation with the probation service. Searches have been carried out in Maidstone after a teenager was stabbed. The 18-year-old was taken to a London hospital following the attack outside KFC on Week Street on Saturday night. A cordon was in place around the scene over the weekend and our reporter Sean McPolin was there. Forensic officers were spotted in the area, searching bins and looking down drains for any sort of evidence and drones were used by the police um, to search the area. The cordon spanned from KFC all the way down past German Donnock about this morning. There was three to four police vehicles at the scene, as well as three officers monitoring the situation while forensic 
staff carried out their searches. A motorcyclist has died following a crash on the A249 near Sittingbourne. The man in his 50s had been riding a bike that collided with two cars on the northbound carriageway on Saturday. Meantime, a bike has been flown to a London hospital following a crash between Dimchurch and Hythe. The A259 was closed for two hours between Botolfs Bridge Road and Redoubt Way over the weekend. No other vehicles were involved. A 20-year-old drug dealer from Folkestone who was found with thousands of pounds worth of cocaine and weapons has been jailed for more than two years. Thomas Molner was arrested on Tram Road in January and officers found cash and knuckle duster and nunchucks at his home on Broadmead Road. A care home near Dover has been put into special measures following a damning report by inspectors. They found some residents at Sonia Lodge in Walmart were left in dirty clothes and rows between residents were allowed to boil over. There were also concerns about staff shortages. It's been rated inadequate and will be re-inspected within the next six months. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A Dover man who threatened to set off bombs in the town has avoided going to prison for a second time. Janice Frimanis called the control room at Kent Police last November, claiming to have planted six explosives, which he'd detonate if officers failed to show up. The 38-year-old from Flying Horse Lane has been ordered to stay sober for four months and do 10 rehabilitation days and 80 hours of unpaid work. He was cautioned for a similar offence in March last year. Now, a Medway charity say they've seen a 25% increase in just one month in the number of people needing their help to afford food. It's as the cost of living crisis continues and stats out today show nine in 10 adults saw a rise in prices even before the latest hike to energy bills. 43% say they won't be able to save any money over the next year. Well, Neil Charlick founded the Gillingham Street Angels charity after experiencing homelessness himself. I spoke to him after they were named the overall winners at this year's Pride in Medway Awards. We started originally, we were a homeless charity, so we're just helping people that were on the street. That then quickly turned into people in supported housing. And then with COVID here, and we just helped everybody. So we just changed, literally changes daily. We help wherever we can. We've got a school uniform bank. We've got allotments, help people with mental health, domestic violence, feed people, furniture. Just almost like a community service. If there's something we can do to help people, other charities work with other people, I love the teamwork. I love the community spirit. We heard about the numbers of people that you're helping. I mean, it's staggering, the amount of people... What are your concerns at the moment, though? Because we've had the pandemic and we're all hearing every day about the cost of living crisis. What's your main worry going forward? I think for us this year, it's going to cost £350,000 to run. We've tried to make that sustainable as we can. So we've got business arms of the charity where we're a charity shop. We've got a cafe trying to raise money. But our figures this month have gone up 25%. So we've gone from 10,000 to 12,500 people in one month with eating. And I can't see that's going to get any easier. So for us, it's just keeping keeping afloat ourselves. Everyone's bills are going up at home. Our bills are going up. Our fuel bills, our gas, electric, it's all going up. So for us, it's just keeping on top of being able to help all these people. And how does it make you feel that you have to help so many people? I, lo- I love to do it. I've had issues with myself. In pre- I was homeless myself a long time ago. That's what started me started doing this. I love it. I've got a very supportive wife. My wife's amazing. She gets up. She's just, she's just amazing what she does to help me. She supports me. As she says herself, she doesn't do it because it's her passion. It's my passion. And she does it because it's my passion. So it's amazing. I'm, I love it. I love doing it. I just think it's going to be very difficult for us to keep the numbers going at this kind of level. Mm. 
We're, we're very lucky. We have some great support. Medway Council, I know people like to have a go at their local councils. They've been amazing to us. They've really been very, very supportive. MHS Homes, Ocado, Morrisons, all these people have really stuck behind us and really they watch what we do. We're quite visible, kind of social media. And long may it continue. I love local businesses and as long as they keep continuing to help us, we'll just keep helping the public. And you mentioned your volunteers as well. We should mention them again because you've got loads of people who give up their time to help you, haven't you? We've got some amazing people. We've got from young, old, we've got all sorts of people come and help us whether it's driving driving around digging food up we've got one guy and his family go on a sunday morning to run the allotment projects he's got two autistic daughters they go out every sunday morning growing veg to help us feed people with veg we've got people sorting clothes out serving the food cooking the food we've got such an amazing team and that's one of the big challenges we've had the bigger we get the more volunteers we need so at the moment we're, we're actively trying to find more volunteers to increase our team because it's just the work is going up and up well, in, in that case then, well, I mean, what if people do want to come and help you, what's the best thing for them to do? If they just get in contact with us through the Facebook page, email us, any, to talk to any of the volunteers, they all know the, the procedure. But we're always looking for people to come and help. It's amazing what the community pulled together. A lot of our people are service users, so they were people that previously used our project and then decided they wanted to give back. It's a great way of helping people's mental health. I think there's a lot of benefits to people. Apart from you're helping us, you're helping the community, you're also helping yourself. Pride in Medway celebrates unsung heroes in the town head to the Medway pages of Kent Online over the next few days to find out about the other winners. A man's been arrested and two shotguns have been seized during an armed police raid in Dover. Officers were called to reports of a disturbance at a house around midnight on Friday. The suspect, who's in his 40s, was detained on suspicion of criminal damage. Kent Online reports. It's hoped millions of pounds in funding could be secured to develop Canterbury and Herne Bay. Council bosses are applying for a share of the government's levelling up fund Transforming Canterbury's castle into an event space and renovating the Danejong Gardens are amongst the plans. It looks like an independent regulator will oversee English football after the government gave its backing to key proposals from a fan-led review to reform the men's game. Ten recommendations will be endorsed, including measures to give supporters more say. The review, you may remember, was launched by Chatham and Ellsford MP Tracy Crouch and she says the Football Association is backing the ideas. They recognise that it's been challenging. They're very supportive of the recommendations. The Premier League, unsurprisingly, are not so much in favour of an independent regulator. They've said that they like the idea of an independent regulator, but one that's housed within the Football Association. Meantime, a football fan who racially abused Maidstone captain George Ellacobi has been given a lifetime ban by his club. Police were called after supporters clashed following Maidstone's 4-0 victory at Hemel Hempstead on Saturday. The chairman says they're trying to get the man responsible banned from every football club in the country. Mums and dads in Greenhithe have hit out at a decision to cone off parking spaces to make way for a new bus service outside a school. The system's being trialled at Knockall Primary School, but parents and residents say it's causing traffic chaos. The school trust says the decision had been made with children's safety in mind. Now, it's hoped the Great British Rail Sale will boost tourism in Kent over the next month. From today, half-price tickets can be used as part of the scheme to encourage us to use the trains again after Covid. Off-peak fares between London and places like Canterbury, Whitstable and Margate are among those included. Rhys Pugh is Deputy Leader of Thanet Council and he says it's come at a great time. I think that this will give a real boost and, and potentially kickstart early uh, the summer season for particularly a lot of our, our local businesses and encourage people to come down you know, and visit the beaches and our towns a bit earlier than they normally would. 
are you expecting there to be a big boost this summer you know with this incentive now obviously no covid restrictions well i mean i hope it will i mean we usually expect to see anywhere over six million visitors a year uh, that come come to Thanet, particularly in the summer period. Um, you know, we're hope, we're hoping that this will lead to a boost. Um, of course, it's the first time that this has been done, so we'll have to we'll proof will be in the pudding, I suppose. And you touched on it at, at the beginning, but how how crucial is this for businesses in particular um, who've who've really suffered from the lack of tourism during the pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they, you know, our businesses, local businesses, they've had it tough over the last couple of years, you know, particularly with COVID and the lockdowns. And, you know, it's been hard for them. They don't know whether they're coming or going. So, you know, this is a real, a real boost. You know, hopefully this will lead to, you know, increasing businesses and extension of, I suppose, the Easter, the Easter season. Uh, the weather's getting better day by day, and it's lovely to see more and more people out. So hopefully it will give our local businesses the boost that they need, you know, a bit earlier coming into the, um, into the summer season. And if it does work out and hopefully those businesses do see an increase in footfall during the summer and thanks to, you know, hopefully um, a boost in tourism, would you encourage or welcome more initiatives like this? I definitely would. And I think that it's initiatives like this that, you know, if it's proven that they, they work, they do encourage more people to, to not just visit Kent, but travel within Kent more and visit areas that they normally wouldn't, then I'd certainly be all for it. I think that it's really important that we do as much as we can to encourage people to not just holiday at home, but, you know, branch out and, and visit, you know, more of Ken and, and use more sustainable forms of, of travel. Do you think coming out of COVID that tourism in particular um, will be key for, for businesses in the coastal areas to recover? Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely will. I think that we, that we had a, a drive. Uh, there was always an, an uptick in the boost year on year of people holidaying at home, coming down and using the beaches. So, you know, with the airports opening back up, I don't think that, you know, everyone will all exclusively holiday from home. But I certainly think that, you know, there, there's been a bit, bit of a change. Um, I think people want to holiday closer to home and, and get more for their money. Um, and I think this is a real opportunity to, to see the tourism industry, particularly in Planet, um, in all of our towns, but across East Kent, really flourish and, and go from strength to strength. More than a million tickets are available across the UK. And Harry Styles has made it three weeks at number one on the Kent Top 40 on our sister radio station KMFM with new song As It Was. Bam Bam by Camille Cabello is still second with Mimi Webb's House on Fire keeping its spot at number three. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham's future in League One is looking rather uncertain today after they suffered a 3-1 defeat at the weekend. They're back in the drop zone on goal difference following Saturday's trip to take on Portsmouth at Fratton Park. The game also saw manager Neil Harris shown a red card. Well, he did manage to speak to us after the final whistle. Frustrating because we can see that a, a, a terrible first goal. A really, you come to Fratton Park and we talk leading up to the game, we talk about uh, strong mentality, uh, professionalism, manage the game, give nothing away, frustrate the fans, frustrate Portsmouth. Um, and we can see the goal in the third minute and it's a really poor goal as well. Both, both wing backs are really poor with it. Um, and then we get a foothold in the game. Um, we get it slightly wrong, I think, in our shape. Um, the first 15 minutes, we make an adjustment. And then for the next 15, 20 minutes, we're the better team. We score a very, very good equaliser. Um, we're in the ascendancy. And you think, just get to half-time. And to concede like we did, such a poor goal. You know, you just... That ultimately, it's where, why 
we are where we are in the division because we've given so many poor goals away during the course of the season. Not necessarily in my tenure, but over the course of the season, individual mistakes have cost us. And the second and third goals are just, just horrific in, in my eyes. Um, there's no, there's no sugarcoating it. I protect my players and protect my players, but you know, individually we have to do better. And is it just, just chasing, chasing at two one? I still fancy to get something out of the game. At three one, it, it, it's very tough. It, it looked like I thought we lacked character. I thought we lacked belief. We lack leadership on the pitch without the captain in the second half, and I need more from my group. I need more, and certainly to be successful in the next seven days, I'm going to need more. I may be overstep the mark with the red card, so I have to, I have to accept punishment, and I have to accept. Um, I have to accept that I probably need to apologise. I've apologised to my group. Um, you know, I need to lead by example. Um, but all I was trying to do was get the referee's attention by getting him over to explain to me why we've played 92 seconds rather than 60 seconds and why a, uh, in the build-up a, uh, an offside decision wasn't given to us. Uh, this, I've been in to see the referee and it was a very calm conversation. I've asked him for an explanation. He's give it a very PR answer, but he's got it wrong. And I just said to him, I said, we've worked together a long time because he need to show me a red card when he can just tell me why, why something's happened. So it, it, I can't change that now. Um, it was the goal on half-time which, which hurt us massively. Another avoidable goal. Did, did, did I ever step the mark? Maybe. Did the referee get it wrong? Definitely. But we can't defend goals like that. You know, we, we can't, we can't so we can see goals like that. We have to defend so much better. And, and ultimately, we've lost the game today because we defended really poorly. Tomorrow, Fleetwood, who are just one place above the Jills, take on playoff hopefuls Sheffield Wednesday. Now, a win for Fleetwood would guarantee their safety as they have a much better goal difference than the Jills. Morecambe would then be the only side who could also go down. The final game of the season for Neil Harris's men is against league title contenders Rotherham United on Saturday. And in cricket, Kent have suffered an innings defeat to Hampshire in the county championship. They were bowled out for 296 on the final day at County making it their second home defeat in a row. Kent will be hoping for their first win of the season when they travel to take on Yorkshire on Thursday. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.